Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret's just-arrived collection of swim and other sun-ready silhouettes. Pack your bags with new styles from the Very Sexy collection, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy push-up bra, in on-trend hues like green and citron and black shine. Rewind to the future with the VS Archives Swim Collection, inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. Plus, mix and match with their wide range of bikini tops and bottoms to find your dream suit. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Welcome to Criminalia, a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. Hello and welcome to another episode of Criminalia. This season we're exploring the lives and motivations of some of the most notorious stalkers throughout history. I'm Maria Tremarchi. And I'm Holly Fry. Today we are going to talk about a woman named Olga Janina. And although she was a pianist herself, Olga is probably best known for her obsession with one of the greatest pianists of all time, Franz Liszt. Before we can really get into Olga's story, we actually need to talk about Liszt because you need to know about who he was to understand how we get to this stalking story. Liszt was born in October of 1811, and he was born in a small town in Hungary, which actually after World War I became part of Austria. He was a child prodigy, and his father was inspired by the life of another child prodigy, whom you know as Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart. He moved the family to Vienna, where his son could study with the great composers and pianists of the time, including Mozart's rival, Antonio Salieri. 
About a year later, the family moved to Paris, where List's father thought there would be more opportunity for his son to play and learn. On March 9th of 1832, List, for the first time, saw a performance by violinist Niccolo Paganini. And we know that specific date because this was a magical moment for List, who was about 21-ish years old at the time. And this was the moment that he knew he could and would push himself to become a virtuoso pianist. Between 1839 to 1847, which puts him between the ages of 28 and 36, List did indeed become known as a virtuoso pianist, which means he was a master at his craft. And it's this period that solidified him as the greatest pianist of all time. And we're talking about then and still today. And Liszt was part of the movement known as the Romantic Era. We've talked about this a little before. It fell between 1815 and 1910. And artists during this time, including composers, were establishing new stylistic and technical standards. And Liszt became a major influence in this movement. His works had a measurable impact not only during the 19th century, but also on how classical music has been composed and performed ever since. Some of the other more recognizable names of this era, just to give you some context, are Mendelssohn, Brahms, and Tchaikovsky. During his lifetime, Liszt was considered to be bombastic, both in his art and how he lived his life. And that word, bombastic, comes up all the time when you're researching him. <laughs> it's like every book, I feel like if you did a list drinking game with bombastic, you would be a train wreck at the end of each chapter. Yeah, you'd be staying over. You couldn't even... <laughs> Uh, so he was talented and he was influential as a composer, a pianist, teacher, conductor. I mean, the list is huge. He was even an author. But perhaps above all of that, he was a talented showman. And he was known to have a larger-than-life personality. His performances became a combination of skill and flamboyance. So most people probably don't think about classical music and musicians in this way, but Liszt was super famous. If you're wondering just how famous we mean, he inspired something that became known as Listomania. Yes, just like Beatlemania, but it was <laughs> more than a century before the Beatles. Like, this really is the first hyper-attentive manic fandom. Right. This eyes. is a thing. This is the yeah. first time that people went nuts. <laughs> <laughs> and his concerts were part of this because they were like nothing that anyone had seen before. Right. So before List, it was considered to be in bad taste if a musician played a song from memory. There's an anecdote, actually, that we came across where Chopin, who was actually a very good friend of List, he's quoted saying that playing from memory was arrogant and that doing so would make it appear that you were pretending that the composition you were playing was one of your own. Um, but List, List did not rely on sheet music. Because of the way he played, reading from a page would have been a difficult proposition. But it was also a really good way to cause a big stir. Yeah, Chopin, bless him, was so reserved <laughs> in was, so many ways. I could see where he would be like, Franz, what are you doing? Right. <laughs> right. And Franz is like, have another beer. <laughs> I'm playing. Right? Because he thought that his performances should be more than a recital. By the way, that term recital is something that List coined. It seems kind of in the pejorative, but... <laughs> 
He really viewed his shows as theatrical events that were more than just the music. And if playing from memory was bad, whoo, then this was even worse. <laughs> Unlike any other pianist in his day or before him, Liszt played his piano in such a way on stage that the audience could see his face while he was playing for them. Oh, my God. Like a scandal. <laughs> you know, I was reading that he actually also was the first person to walk from the wings out right. to, to sit down on his piano. And that, too, was scandal. Like we go Now, I will say this. If you've looked at historical portraits of Liszt, particularly in his younger years. Yes. You would want to look at that face as much as possible. He was incredibly beautiful. Yes. And the long locks. And the, anyway, we'll get going. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> We're just going to wax rhapsodic about the handsomeness of Franz Liszt. I'm pretty sure I would have been a groupie myself. <laughs> um, so in addition to facing the audience when he played for them, he was also very physical when he played the piano. And like I said, he had long locks and his long hair would often become slick with sweat and he'd whip it around as he played. And I kind of like to think that it was kind of early head banging that was going on behind the piano. <laughs> but it would be accurate to say that Lisp, ultimately, he just captivated his audience. So women swooned and they screamed and uh, allegedly they threw their 19th century undergarments at him during his performance. Although that had to be kind of a a bit to get off. <laughs> right. That's a tricky proposition. If you've yeah. ever worn pantalettes and a corset over it, you know, they don't just like, it's not an easy undressing situation. Right. That's not just coming through your sleeve. Like, you know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So it, for example, one woman who um, was sort of skulking around him and she ended up pouring the remaining tea from his teacup into her scent bottle, which was popular at the time to carry with you. It wasn't something weird. And just like more modern artists on the celebrity level of, say, like a, a Mick Jagger or a, a David Bowie, there were stories of women not just throwing their clothing onto the stage, but also stealing things from him like that tea in his teacup or, you know, slyly chopping locks of his hair off so he wouldn't notice or taking just whatever they could get their hands on from him. Yeah, I I I feel like I have read accounts where even things like cigarette butts that he had touched, yep. they would take. Yep, and like in their cleavage and like yeah, <laughs> yeah, I read the same thing. <laughs> it was obsessive mania for sure. Yes. They screamed and swooned, <laughs> <laughs> and it might not surprise you that among all of the things he was, including all of those very productive and artistic accomplishments, he was also really polarizing. No because way, of all of this. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Skosh. His friend, German composer Ludwig von Beethoven, called him, and we're quoting, "Young Turk," because of the rebellious and revolutionary way that he had about him. Clara Schumann, who is regarded as one of the most distinguished pianists of the Romantic era, dismissed him as, and this is a great quote that we both love, <laughs> the smasher of pianos. I love it. And that is a great quote because he actually was a smasher of pianos. Uh, his aggressive playing style came to be known as, and I'm going to quote this, musical combat. <laughs> so imagine you're watching him facing you from the stage and this is going on. And 
it looked like he was attacking his instrument when he played, and he would often break the strings of pianos and damage the keys. As an interesting aside, pianos were actually a little bit more delicate then than they are today, but it's not like they were made out of cardboard, you know? So you can, but you can also thank his performances for being the inspiration for manufacturers to improve and fortify piano construction. <laughs> And there is an account about his playing style that was relayed after someone had witnessed a performance he gave in Vienna. So imagine you have a ticket to see the amazing Franz Liszt, and you enter the theater, and you find your seat, and as you settle in, you notice that on stage there are three pianos. Will there be guest artists, you might wonder? Um, That's a good guess, but not so much. (laughs) Liszt would use all three pianos, playing one after the other, as he broke each of the first two (laughs) with his dynamic and very passionate technique. In a letter to one of his mistresses, he wrote about that show, and he wrote, quote, My concert has just finished. Enthusiasm impossible to describe. That night, he received 18 curtain calls, and then he was ultimately carried out of the theater by his adoring fans. 18 curtain calls. That that concert go on to like four in the morning? Like, I know, right? Um, So no one had seen anything like this before. And the ever-growing hysteria that surrounded Liszt became known, as we mentioned earlier, as Listomania. So besides destroying pianos, though, we really can't be sure if he also vandalized hotel rooms as one might do today. There's never any mention of it. I believe he was polite to hotel rooms. I believe he was, too. I did see that he was polite to people who he he rode with as well in carriages. I think it was just the pianos that he took it all out on. (laughs) (laughs) We are going to take a quick break here. But when we come back, we are going to start talking about the groupies that all of this bombastic playing attracted. Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Simply Safe. Listen, you listen to true crime podcasts. You know that the world can be dangerous and unpredictable and that there will unfortunately be people who want to hurt each other. And so it's kind of nice to get a little peace of mind by having a good home security system. Just take a few precautions. And I recommend looking at Simply Safe Home Security. I've had my home broken into in the past, and it was a terrible feeling, even though nothing that bad really happened. Aside from an intruder, I just really like knowing that I have a security setup that lets me check in on my pets when I'm not home. That is a huge peace of mind giver when I am out traveling. Simply Safe sent me a whole home security system, and I was really, really impressed by the variety of indoor and outdoor cameras they offer. And the whole thing is backed by 24-7 professional monitoring for less than a dollar a day. Get 20% off any new Simply Safe system when you sign up for Fast Protect Monitoring. Just visit simplysafe.com slash criminalia. That's simplysafe, S-I-M-P-L-I-S-A-F-E dot com slash criminalia. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Hey, everybody, it's Holly. Listen, I've been doing stuff on stage since I was a kid, which means that I have been doing my makeup since I was a kid. And I can turn out a look when I need to, but on my day to day, I really like to keep it a little more relaxed and low key. I don't have time for a full face most of the time. 
But that also means that Thrive Cosmetics can have me covered no matter what I'm doing, whether I'm doing something on stage, like I have an appearance or a live show, or I'm just running to the grocery store. Something in their line is perfect. And what I really love and what's important to me is that they are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free. And to me, cruelty-free is very important in the cosmetics I use. I mentioned that I've been doing my makeup for a long time. I've gotten older in that time. And one of the things that I've done to refresh my look is switch over to their brilliant eye brighteners and use something like a rose gold shade to really like go all around my eye and then just blend it out and get a daytime smoky look. It makes me look a little more youthful and more refreshed. And it's just easy as pie. And it means that I don't have to mess with a whole ton of products. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash criminalia. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash criminalia for 10% off your first order. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret. Pack your bags with just arrived swim, cover ups, corset tops and other sexy silhouettes. When the sun goes down, opt for bold and blingy styles like the made to be seen very sexy push up bra from the very sexy collection in on trend hues like black shine, green and citron. For a glam statement, pair them with your favorite jeans and bring the heat. Because life is better in a bikini. Rewind to the future with the VS Archive Swim Collection inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. For endless out-of-office options, mix and match with Victoria's Secret's wide range of bikini tops and bottoms that offer you every type of coverage from full to cheeky to minimal. And now in this season's must-have shades and patterns, add the finishing touch with the limited edition Bombshell Escape fragrance, a free-spirited take on the iconic Victoria's Secret scent. Dive into a vibrant blend of juicy guava, lush palms, and summer glow peony. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Welcome back to Criminalia. So let's talk now about 19th century rock stars and their groupies. So there were ways in which Franz Liszt lived up to the rock star image. Even then, he was a bit of a playboy and he had numerous liaisons with women. He never married, but he did come close once. Of his many affairs, there are two women that stood out in his life. Marie Dagou and the Princess Caroline Zine Wittgenstein. Liszt and Marie were together for about a decade. They actually had three children together. And when that relationship ended, Marie decided to publish a then scandalous novel under the male pseudonym Daniel Stern. So this was one of those instances where it was fiction on a technicality, but it was was very thinly veiled fiction. It was real, but the names were changed. Right. Right. Barely. Barely. Um, And then there was Caroline. And Liz and Caroline were actually supposed to be married, but that ceremony was called off on the eve of the wedding because Caroline, who had been married previously discovered that her first marriage was still legally standing, at least in the eyes of the church, which meant they could not become wed the next day. 
So, enter Olga. Olga Janina was a cigar-smoking feminist, although if we're being period correct, which we should be, she was a proto-feminist. This was the time when the groundwork for feminism as we know it today was just beginning to form. She stood out for a couple reasons, but they're really just two big ones. Um, she preferred to wear a jacket and trousers at a time when women didn't wear trousers, and also for her bizarre behavior. Olga had been notoriously unstable during the time in her life when she lived in Budapest. And now, living in Paris, the time that her life intersects with Liszt, she had picked up a reputation for being, we quote, rowdy. She was very jealous of other women, and she was very aggressive. So we actually have a good example of rowdy and aggressive, I think. Um, if we go a little bit deeper into the kind of person Olga was, if we take away her passion for Liszt and just talk about her, this is a pretty telling example. So when an upcoming recital of hers was not promoted in local papers or it didn't receive the glowing reviews she had expected, she was not above taking matters into her own hands. And there's one anecdote that has her dressing as a man with a cane and visiting one of the newspaper editors who did not promote her. And she berated him while striking him in the face and chest with that cane. Aggressive. Ooh, Olga. <laughs> I'm going to take us down a little side street about her mode of dress because her clothing choices were actually not entirely unprecedented at this time. So Georges Sand, who we have name checked on this show before and who was actually a very good friend of Liszt's, she was with Chopin for many years, so they had a friendship together. She famously wore menswear during this period. And this was, as we said, this sort of period of proto-feminism and donning those garments was actually an act of protest because it was, if you can imagine now, illegal in Paris for women to wear pants without a permit. Those permits were given to people whose jobs necessitated these so-called unladylike garments or to people who could offer up some health reason that they needed to wear them. Incidentally, that law was on the books in Paris until 2013. So let's just let our minds be blown for a moment over right. that. Right. Pause on that. <laughs> <laughs> Paris, seat of fashion, right. where it was illegal to wear your jeans until 2013, technically. But the point here is that in walking down the street in pants to assault a man with a cane, Olga Janina was breaking multiple laws. And she knew it. That's... <laughs> Yeah, I don't it think she cared. like, oh, I didn't know I wasn't allowed to wear pants. She 100% knew. Right. Um, so we mentioned earlier that she was also a pianist. And she became one of Liszt's students when she was about 24, 25 years old. But she set herself apart from his other students, though. She wasn't quiet about the fact that she kept a revolver in her handbag. And... The other students were, and I don't really blame them, they were kind of afraid of her when she showed up to class. Um, she, <laughs> I mean, uh, I took piano lessons right. when I was younger, and if someone had showed up and said, hey, have you been practicing this sonata? By the way, I have a gun. I would be like, holy <laughs> Moses, what? I'll play Hungarian Rhapsody faster. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but it wasn't even just the revolver. It was believed that she also carried a dagger, and that's a dagger with a poisoned tip. Some sources also suggest that Olga was an opium user. So this is a whole combination of things that really are 
Wow. Um, which actually the opium use wouldn't have been all that weird at the time. Um, she also carried around a small bag containing her stash of narcotics. And it said that there was also poisons in it. And uh, for any of those who listened to the first season of Criminalia, sorry, but there's no word on whether or not that was arsenic in the bag. It's always about arsenic. It's always arsenic. Though, so <laughs> <laughs> I'm assuming it was arsenic. <laughs> Probably. Olga Janina was also one of the women who swooned over List. And by swooned, we mean threatened his and her own life <laughs> over an affair that the pair actually had in 1870. Olga just found herself madly infatuated with him and consequently madly jealous. She followed the women that she considered to be her rivals for his affection. And then she just started following List. Right. Um, so in the summer of 1871, after their affair was over, List encouraged Olga to travel to New York to give piano performances, which, I mean, at the very least, would give him a break from her continuing emotional blackmail that had been going on. So. Olga did go to New York, but once she arrives there, history kind of loses track of her story. And it's assumed that because List destroyed most of the letters that she sent him, that's why we don't really know. But we do know a little bit about their correspondence from some of Olga's own records. And Maria's mentioning correspondence because we know that she continued to send him letters. And in one letter, she, we quote, begs for a few gentle words from her beloved. But she did not get them. Liz replied, not what she was hoping. And again, we're quoting here. The violence of your feelings disturbs my peace of mind. Permit me, therefore, to inform you that I shall decline to accept any more of your strange ravings, at least until such time that you understand that no one who fails to observe God's laws can ever hope to find happiness. You also need to reconcile your fate, which is the product, moreover, of your various acts of imprudence. So that's a pretty serious burn. <laughs> Smarting from that, Olga plotted revenge on her once beloved list. And when she returned from New York in late 1871, she threatened to kill him upon her arrival. And she wasn't really shy about telling people what her plan was. And it was sort of her life's ambition was to kill List and then commit suicide. And a few sources do report that she did swallow poison. And when a doctor was called to help her, it turned out that she hadn't actually swallowed anything that was dangerous at all. <sighs> oh, Olga. Olga. <laughs> we are going to take another quick break and have a word from a sponsor. And when we return, we're going to talk about Olga's books. And there will also be a little mention of the Who's Roger Daltrey and how he is connected to any of this. The story just keeps getting stranger and stranger. <laughs> Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret. Pack your bags with dust-arrived swim, cover-ups, corset tops, and other sexy silhouettes. When the sun goes down, opt for bold and blingy styles, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy Push-Up Bra from the Very Sexy Collection, in on-trend hues like Black Shine, Green, and Citron. For a glam statement, pair them with your favorite jeans and bring the heat. Because life is better in a bikini. Rewind to the future with the VS Archive Swim Collection, inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. For endless out-of-office options, mix and match with Victoria's Secret's wide range of bikini tops and bottoms that offer you every type of coverage, from full to cheeky to minimal. 
And now in this season's must-have shades and patterns, add the finishing touch with the limited edition Bombshell Escape fragrance, a free-spirited take on the iconic Victoria's Secret scent. Dive into a vibrant blend of juicy guava, lush palms, and summer glow peony. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. I bet you're smart. Yeah, and you like to hold your own in the group chat. We can help you drop even more knowledge. My name is Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. We host a daily news podcast called Post Reports. Every weekday afternoon, Post Reports takes you inside an important and interesting story with the kind of reporting that you can only get from The Washington Post. You can listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. Go find it now and hit follow. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Welcome back to Criminalia. Let's now get into the kinds of things that were in Olga's memoirs. So to be clear... Olga and List were never in a committed relationship. Their affair lasted much less than a year, but it inspired her to write a lot more than just letters. She wrote her memoirs. And her first book, published in 1874, was called Souvenir d'une Cossack. That translates to Memories of a Cossack. She wrote that under the pseudonym Robert Franz. Now, there was a real Robert Franz at the time. He was a German composer, and he was one of Liszt's contemporaries. So this had to have been a little bit awkward. And also, how confusing would it have been for him to see his name listed as the author of a kiss-and-tell book about a barely fictionalized version of one of his friends? This book didn't make the splash that she had really hoped that it would, but the cover art actually sounds pretty great. Um, it was List, but it was a caricature of him playing the piano for half-clothed cherubs who were scattering flower petals at his feet and offering him wine. Upon reading, List's good friend, whose name actually also was Olga, she was the Baroness von Meyendorg wrote to him that she was now going to, and I have to quote this because her word was much better than anything that I would come up with, disinfect her library. <laughs> 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 um, so 
List actually himself, when he wrote back, he didn't seem very upset by the book or, or any of this. But if you recall, this actually wasn't the first scandalous book starring him. Right. He was just right. his old hat at this right. point. He's been through this before. He's like, whatever. <laughs> In 1874 and 1875, so remember, List is, is up in years at this point. Olga went on to write two more books called Les Amours d'une Cossack par un ami de l'abbé X. That's Loves of a Cossack by a friend of the abbé X. And Le Roman du Pianiste et de la Cossack. That's the novel of the pianist and the Cossack, which is very much a reference to him and her. Right. That's really not very well bailed. <laughs> right. She, she self-identified as Cossack. That will come up again in a moment. So these books were ones that she also wrote under a pseudonym, but this time it was a different one. It was Sylvia Zarelli. And her books were widely regarded as defamatory. Everyone knew exactly who and what she was referencing. And they were also <laughs> kind of relegated to being pulp fiction. But she seemed quite proud of it. She sent copies to all of List's friends. Well, that's a nice gift to get in the mail. <laughs> Despite her books being, and I'm going to do this quote unquote business autobiographical, it was about this time when. Olga was outed for a few things, and these things did not include anything about List. So first, her last name was not Janina. It was Zielinska, and I'm not fluent in Polish, so my apologies to those of you who are. <laughs> she had taken the name Janina from her husband, whom she had abandoned along with her child because of her passion for List. And it also became known at this time that she was not a Cossack, nor was she a countess, as she had been telling people. <laughs> She was actually the daughter of a boot polish maker, and her life, as she told it, was truly a work of fiction. That was probably the better work than those horrible novels. Right? Um, <laughs> historians are actually still untangling the reality of who Olga was and the life that she led, particularly after List's death. And in the end, with all sorts of damage done, it appears that she retreated and then went on to establish a piano studio in Geneva. Hopefully less aggressive, maybe without the revolver. Listen, um, <laughs> I don't know. That's maybe her teaching style. Right? She's really aggressive with her pupils. Um, so, uh, List, so List, well, uh, he walked away from everything as well, but in a different way. So around 1861 or maybe 1863, the dates seem to vary a bit, but those are the two that always pop up. He began living a more solitary life, and he moved into a small apartment in a monastery just outside of Rome. And in July of 1865, he received the four minor orders of the Catholic Church, which when you receive these, they make you uh, a low-ranking clergyman. It did not make him a priest, um, but he had considered priesthood when he was a teenager. This career change was a huge surprise to many of his fans and to his peers, and apparently to the Catholic Church, too. There's this great quote from a monk referring to him as Mephistopheles in the guise of clergy. This really was, I think, to contextualize it for modern comparison, right? Like, think of a rock star who is sort of known to be... Like, think of Mick Jagger going, hey, I decided to become a monk. I'm right. out. Right. <laughs> it Jimmy would just Page be really, just really strange. Like, yeah. Yeah. 
Liszt died on July 31st, 1886. He was 74 at the time and living in Germany. And he had, towards the end, developed some health conditions such as edema and cataracts, but his cause of death was officially the result of pneumonia. And some historians actually theorize that he contracted pneumonia at a festival that was hosted by his daughter and his son-in-law, the controversial German composer and conductor, Richard Wagner. So in the end, Liszt is really well known as the composer of the Hungarian Rhapsodies as well as the Faust Symphony. Um, But he was way more prolific than you might actually guess. He wrote, in total, more than 700 compositions. And in fact, you probably actually know some of them, even if you don't think that you do, uh, including Hungarian Rhapsody Number no. 2. It hasn't fallen out of popularity, even today, and it's been featured in cartoons, including Tom and Jerry, as well as Bugs Bunny. And while his music has been used in cartoons, it's also really important to remember that he did change many things about how we write and play music today. And he also inspired something else. (laughs) He inspired maybe my favorite part of the research, (laughs) which is (laughs) as soon as I found it, I was sending posters to Holly and email. I'm like, look at this. (laughs) Um, He inspired the 1975 movie Listomania, directed and written by Ken Russell. So imagine, if you will, the opening scene, which is List played by the Who's Roger Daltrey, that's where he shows up, Uh, he is performing to a crowd of screaming fans. Ringo Starr makes an appearance as the Pope, and the ending, well, okay, so the ending, you're really just going to have to watch that for yourself. (laughs) Uh, Here is what I really love about this. (laughs) Like, did you think about the connection between... Franz Liszt smashing his pianos and the Who's Pete Townsend smashing oh, his guitars. Yes. In fact, I originally thought that, that that maybe I would talk a little about that in the show. Like we would never have had Jimi Hendrix lighting his guitars on fire and damaging his amps and and like Keith Moon and Pete Townsend and all of these guys who destroy their instruments. There's even there are pianists today who, as part of their performance, light the piano on fire as they're playing. You know, this would not have happened without Franz Liszt. Um, And so he changed everything. (laughs) Holly. Yes. um, What about this story here of Olga and Franz inspires your drink today? Okay, so today's chaser is the winner in a head-to-head battle between two cocktails at my house. I know, it's exciting. <laughs> it's exciting. It's like a race. I, need to- <laughs> I have two very different ideas, and I won't I won't entirely detail the losing drink because I'm keeping it in my pocket in case I want to use some variation of it for a future episode. I think that's smart. The one that was discarded <laughs> um, was a drink because of Olga Janina's cigar smoking. I immediately thought, oh, I've got to do something with cognac. Okay, Um, right. Since cigars and cognac are so closely Mm -hmm. linked. And I was like, well, I'm going to play around with something that's kind of like a sidecar and I'll, I'll sub out a different liqueur for the, the, um, the orangey liqueur that's normally in that. Right. Nobody can see me, but I'm nodding along. Like I'm like, <laughs> I got to a place that was pretty good, but I still wasn't sure if that was the one for this episode. And then I had this idea for a cocktail called a smashed piano. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm sorry, I need a minute. <laughs> okay, I got my minute. <laughs> I love any time that I destroy Maria with that. <laughs> Um, that's really my goal in all things. It works like every episode. I just die. Like, I'm like, <laughs> so the smashed piano, I wanted to make a drink that is white, like, you know, modern day piano keys. I believe we call that ivory. <laughs> right. But the drink is what <laughs> an ivory drink might look like it had gone off. And we don't right, that. so, um, Yeah, not quite. So this is a very easy, what I would call a one, two, three drink, because it's just one ounce of each. It's an ounce of white rum, an ounce of Saint-Germain, which is elderberry liqueur. Oh, yeah. And then an ounce of your milky substance. I did oat <laughs> milk, but you could do you could do a dairy milk. You could do any other like plant-based milk or, or nut-based milk you want. And you just give that a nice good shake in your shaker over ice and pour it ideally into like a chilled glass. And it is this yummy creamy it's very desserty because the that liqueur is quite sweet yes and the milk adds kind of enhances that sweetness you don't really taste any bite from the rum and it's just like a lovely little after dinner dessert drink i think so i have two questions for you yes do you have a glass recommendation for this one because it is a dessert drink i went to my favorite the coupe which right, is right. how most dessert drinks are are often served um because that nice wide mouth on it gives you like easy you could take a nice big sip and get that sweet sugary full mouth feel i would throw it in your fridge for a little while or even the freezer if you're short on time and just mm -hmm. pre-chill your glass cuz it just makes it that much better excellent and my second question for you <laughs> mm. <laughs> let me interview you <laughs> okay <laughs> Now, the elderberry, I, I'm a big fan of, but it's only come up once before, and I can't recall what drink it was that you made with it. Do you remember? I know this was in season one, so I yes. actually wasn't and sure so if you remember. so that was actually the drink that we did, um, which was not one that I came up with. It was one that I found. So it was an early drink then. The Julia Tofana Pimpinella. That's right. Oh, yeah. it was the Pimpinella. Which just has like the tiniest amount of Saint-Germain. It's only a quarter of an ounce because it can really like overtake a drink. And if you didn't want a super sweet drink, you would not want to put as much as an ounce in. But right, I did. Right. You can always dial that back if it's a little too sweet for you and do more like three quarters of an ounce or even a half. But I like a one, one, one because it's easy. You can use the same jigger cup and you're good. Excellent. That sounds delicious. Thank you. <laughs> smash piano. <laughs> I got to smash a piano. <laughs> I have this dream. This is truly my dream of life is that some poor soul will walk into a, a bar and ask for one of these weird drinks that I've come up with. And they'll be like, I don't know what you're talking about. And they're like, listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> no, I swear it's real. It's real. It's I would like a smash <laughs> piano. And they'll be like, I don't know what that is. I heard it on the internet. <laughs> right. <laughs> and with that. <laughs> and with that, you heard it here on the internet. We hope you keep hearing us here on the internet and that you come back and join us next week for more cackling and cocktails as well as more stalking. The drink I have planned for an upcoming episode is going to be one that Maria loves, I believe, in my heart and soul. <gasps> is it going to have... Is it going to be a brown beverage? <laughs> it is going to be a brown spirit at the heart of it, but I'm doing something wackadoodle with it. Well, I can't wait. That's going to be exciting for me. <laughs> so we hope to see you back here next week on Criminalia. And remember, drink responsibly. Mm -hmm.
Criminalia is a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from Shondaland Audio, please visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.